I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Mark Cravens with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 16 and what the Lord is teaching him. Mark has served in ministry for over 33 years. He's been a pastor, a hospital chaplain, a professor, and not necessarily in that order, (laughs) but he has done so many things in the kingdom of God. He's also the host of a great podcast called Hope Along the Journey, where his heart is to help people experience God's grace, hope, and healing as they travel along their journeys. Well, welcome, Mark. It is so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Jody. It's a real delight to be on the podcast with you. Been looking forward to this, and I'm so thankful that it finally our schedules came together and we could get this done today. Yes, we had a couple false starts. Uh, just things kept coming up, and we identified that as the enemy was trying to keep us from having this conversation. And so, not anymore. Today we're that's doing right. that. So now we just need to pray that the internet cooperates. <laughs> yes, let's pray that it does. But yeah, it's. <laughs> I think the enemy was finding it, but I'm glad that we're able to finally make this connection. Yes. Because I think I have some good things in store for us. Well, me too. Well, Mark, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about who you are and what are you doing these days? Okay. So, well, I was I grew up in southern Indiana. I was I received the Lord into my heart at age 17, answered a call to preach, went off to Bible college in a little small Bible college in central Indiana. I crammed a four-year course into five years <laughs> and, and got a wife in the process. And then when I gra- we graduated together, and in 1986, we hit the road and went into pastoring. And now today, all these, year, all these years later, you know, I, my, all my kids are grown. I have two sets of twin daughters, and they're all grown now. I've got three grandchildren and one on the way. So I've, uh, I've, like you said, I've done a little bit of everything from hospice work to denominational leadership, to pastoring. I've traveled and done speaking. And now I've got the podcast going. I teach online. Um, I, I, I do some pastoral training through the internet with pastors in India. Um, I, I wear a lot of hats, but I, but I like the mixture. So, and I'm pastoring a growing congregation. And as I was just sharing with you, before we started, we are just got the green light that a building that we have been looking to purchase. We are now in contract with that building. So Lord willing, we're going to be moving ahead and moving to a larger facility. So God is good and great things are happening. Even in my old age, <laughs> you're <laughs> not that old. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I will. I'll be careful. I'll be careful. <laughs> well, thank you for telling us that. I am fascinated. I did not realize that you had two sets of twins. That's amazing. And God yeah. bless your wife. <laughs> yes. I had children very close together. They were 19 months apart. 
And I can't imagine having two sets of twins. Uh, it would have been delightful. I would have loved it. I know, but there, I'm sure were many hard, long nights <laughs> as there well. Were, and, and, you know, it's, it, I tell people like Noah's Ark, our kids all came two by two. <laughs> we never had a child. We always had children in our house. I would, we wouldn't know what it was to just have a child. <laughs> well, uh, you to, have been abundantly blessed for sure. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, we're going to have a conversation around Matthew 16, and I went into the context for this passage in the meditation podcast, Um, so I'm not going to do that here, but I do want to remind us of the passage before we dive in, so let me read it to us real quick. It is Matthew 16, verses 21 through 25. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Okay, so we did this as a scripture meditation using the Lectio Divina process asking the Lord to help us notice a word or phrase. So let's start there. Mark, tell me a little bit about the word or phrase that the Lord drew your attention to and just kind of that process for you. Well, you know, the phrase that really stood out to me was the phrase, follow me. Those, Those two words just seem to be to leap from the pages as I, as I was looking at it and thinking about it and reflecting on it as I was following through the, the method. And, you know, it began to, it really dawned on me in a very real way as I, as I meditated on this and thought about it and even did some, wrote out a little prayer and did some journaling that, you know, this matter of being a disciple of Jesus is a very, is it an intentional directional thing? Mm. And at the heart of it all is the centrality of, of Jesus. Because if he's not at the heart and center of it, then self-denial and taking up your cross can sound rather harsh and ugly. Yeah. Who would want to take up their cross to just be taking up a cross? Mm-hmm. And who would want to deny themselves just for the purpose of self-denial? But when you realize that you're doing this, in order to follow Jesus. Mm. And it takes on a, a much more beautiful overall picture because this is at the very heart of this is, is not a plan. It's a person, you know, it's about, it, it's not just about denial and death to self, but it's also about delighting in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So that element follow me just really seemed to stand out to me. Yeah, I I love that. Um that part of follow me and as you unpacked it's in the phrasing whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. 
Um, and you're right. There is something very hopeful about doing those things for the purpose of following him. And it comes after just this really interesting passage where Peter's trying to basically assert his ideas into something. And, and Jesus is saying, no, if, if you just go by your ideas, you're actually, you know, the human concerns that you have are not what God's purposes and plans are. So I love that. Well, tell me a little bit more as you kind of kept meditating on this. Tell me what was the next step for you? How did you and the Lord process about how that looks in your life today? Well, you know, that's, it's very interesting. And I, and I knew you, was go, you were going to go here. I just knew that. So it's like, okay, so here, here we go. Number one, I'm just going to confess because confession is good for the soul. That's right. And that is, I'm a natural born people pleaser. And, and so this, this radical, and I mean radical in the sense of being just, it affects every area of our life. Mm-hmm. Following Jesus touches everything. It's, you know, this, this following Jesus, it, it, it makes us realize that we can't always please people and we can't always even please religious people. And right. Jesus wasn't pleasing his disciples with what he said. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's not what they want to hear. You know, it's like, so yeah, this thing, I think that, that one of the things that really challenged again that in my life was as a natural born people pleaser was who are you really going to, who are you really going to please Mark? Whose affirmation and whose seal of approval are you really going to establish in your life? Mm -hmm. And so that really began, that really began to ruminate in my heart and so I've been thinking a lot about that because it's fascinating to me, Jody, when you start doing something like what you asked me to do, which by the way, I'd never done anything quite this intense before. And so I, I really enjoyed it and it was beneficial, but it is amazing how it starts touching in practical ways in your life too. So it's, it's not just philosophical. It's not just theoretical it has to somewhere become extremely practical mm-hmm. so, so what does that look like going forward and uh, without going into detail it just uh, a certain thing that's happening in my life recently in which i feel myself i, I told people this and you're not going to probably understand this maybe you will <laughs> did you ever like wonder where do i belong hmm. so you know, I don't fit in this group and maybe I don't fit in this crowd. And sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, like in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I, I live on the island of misfit toys or something. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really fit anywhere. And I had been letting that really kind of consume me. Uh, old relationships, friendships, uh, connections that maybe I had at one time aren't there anymore for whatever reason. And, and Jesus has used this to just really challenge me and say, well, where, what about following me? Is this not enough? Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, uh, and realizing that following him and belonging to him is where I'm going to find satisfaction in meeting and to quit worrying about 
where do I belong? Because I first and foremost belong to him. That's right. So that's, that's been something that's really been this making this passage come alive in my life. Yeah. I think that's a great question that you asked. Are you pleasing people or pleasing God? And I think it's subtle, right? I think sometimes we think we're trying to please God, but really we're kind of sneakily trying to just make everybody happy. That's our desire. And of course, who wouldn't want everyone to be happy with us, right? It's hard when people aren't happy with us. Um, Yeah. And so, but I, I think that's such a great question. And that is one of the things that I love about this process, like you said, is it makes it become practical. So yes. I'm guessing you've been in pastoral ministry for years and years. You've studied this passage, the ins and oh, yeah. outs of it and how it ties into the whole gospel narrative. And, and what does he mean when he tells Peter to get behind him and calls him Satan and, you know, and unpacking all of that, which is really important. And yet we can keep it up in that headspace. And this process actually forces us to then move it to the heart and have a conversation with God, which is exactly what you did where he's asking you, isn't following me enough, Mark? Isn't that enough for you? That's actually where you belong. You're trying to fit into all of these other places, but I'm telling you that you are doing what I'm asking you to do when you follow me. And shouldn't that be enough? Oh, that's so powerful and convicting. (laughs) Yes, it is. You know, I had a dear friend of mine, Jody, tell me something a couple of years ago, and I never forgot it. He said, when I became a Christian, he said, I died out, I had to die out to the world. He said, but down the road years later, he said, I had to die out to the church world. Mm -hmm. And he said, dying out to the church world was harder than dying out to the world. Now, I'm not throwing stones at the church. I love the church. I pastor a church. I'm I'm all 110% behind the church. But I do know this, that even the church, and I'm talking as a church as an institution, the church can stand between us and our all-consuming, radical determination to leave everything and abandon everything and follow Jesus. Um. Yeah, It can sometimes that, even good things, good people can stand in between us and that call of discipleship that just can radically transform our lives. I 100% agree with that. I do think that there are a lot of good things that stand in the way of us really following what God's plan is for our lives. Um, and I mean, having personally come out of 12 years of pastoral ministry. And I, I saw while there was so much good work in that, and I'm with you, I love the church. I believe in the church. Um, I mean, this is what Jesus left for us. And, um, you know, as the body of Christ, like I'm, I'm a hundred percent in for that. And yet I can also see how sometimes it can distract us. Um, the quote unquote work of ministry can keep us very busy. Um, and so, yeah, I really resonate with what you just said. (laughs) Um, it, it is just all too true. And, And again, I think ever so often we have to come back to those two words, which I think are probably the most life changing words in all the new Testament. And that's to hear the son of God who abandoned everything for us and on our behalf to look at us Mm -hmm. 
compassion and yet with authority and say, deny yourself, take mm-hmm. up your cross. Mark, follow me. And I just, every so often, I don't know about you, Jody, but every so often I have to have God wash my eyes with tears mm. and show me again that at the heart of all of this, my, my conversion, my call to preach, all that I do, the, my podcasting, my teaching, it either all has to be all about him or be revolving around him or, or it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it is hard for us to even discern when we're following him or when we're actually saying we're following him, but instead we're just doing what we want to do, our agenda in our way. And that Mm -hmm. takes time to, like you said, wash your uh, eyes with tears. Or for me, it's actually just pulling away in a space of of just more silence and making myself sit still um, someone told me one time, it's like a jar of river water. You, you get the jar of river water and you shake it up and it's just murky and muddy and it just has to sit there and all the silt starts to settle to the bottom and then the water becomes clear. And I feel like that's how it is with my soul sometimes is that I have to yeah. settle down and let things settle um, where I can start to see with more clarity. And I think it's different for everybody. And that's a beautiful thing. I think we all have different ways where the Lord, you know, shows us or invites us to do something a little differently. Um, So, yeah, I love that thought. Well, I'm curious, tell me, where else did you go with this process? Is there anything else you and the Lord talked about or anything else that stood out to you in this passage? Well, you know, that for, of course, the phrase follow me, of course, was so, so incredibly important to me. But I, I think another thing that really stood out to me and I, and I don't, I'm not mean to be overly dramatic when I say this, but this really is, is all about saving or losing your soul. Mm. And I think I had never wed the two together as strongly as I saw it, as I meditated on this passage, that this decision to take up your cross and deny yourself, and follow me is a matter of saving your own soul. Mm. Because he said then later on, if you try to save your soul, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. Yeah. And so really, you know, what Jesus is asking us to do, and, and again, we all understand, theologically, we understand we can't save our own souls. But on the other hand, Jesus is saying that that's really at the heart of what this all is all about. That if you will do this, if you will be my disciple and in reckless abandonment, leave everything behind and follow me, you will end up not losing your soul, mm-hmm. but you're going to save your soul. Yeah. And I think that became, that was another matter that really became connected for me. The dots really connected as I thought about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it more sobering but it made it also more eternal in its perspective. Yeah, that's good. I love that eternal perspective. It's so interesting. I was sitting here thinking as you were saying that, what were they hearing, right? So the disciples don't know that Jesus is going to, well, of course he has told them he's going to be killed and on the third day raised to life. I mean, it says that just a few verses earlier, but they don't get it. We see that over and over again, and they don't understand he's going to be crucified 
he is going to die and he's going to be resurrected. They, they don't get that yet. And so when they hear these words, I wonder, you know, when he says you need to take up your cross, well, I mean, a cross is basically an excruciating way to die. That's what it was a torturous tool that uh, the Romans used. So when they, you know, and then he says, and if you want to save your life, lose it. But if you lose your life, you're going to find it. I mean, it's kind of riddly, I think a little bit to them. Um, you know, it's easy for us to look at it now, but I just was wondering when you were saying that, what did they hear? And I know that they were confused. Yes. Um, and it's even confusing to us, but like you were saying, we get to see this through the eternal perspective, you know, on the other side of the cross, it becomes so much clearer to us. Um, but anyway, that's what I was thinking. Well, you know, it's interesting too. Like one of the things that you, you asked to do was like, look at some of the surrounding verses. So even if you back up the, the narrative a little bit, you've got this wonderful declaration at that's Caesarea right. Philippi. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, John the Baptist. Well, who do you say I am? Mm-hmm. Well, you're the Christ, the son of a living God. And he declares he's going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And I can almost see the chest bumps, you know, the <laughs> high fives. You know, this is like, yeah, this is what we've been waiting on. The kingdom is coming. You know, it's we're going to be triumphant. And then it's so interesting. And at that time, Jesus begins to tell them. Yeah. And it's and again, one of the things that stands out to me about this, Jody, is this. And I have to always come back to this and realize that a biblical Christ-centered worldview is very different from a non-Christian worldview. Where things, what is up is down and what is down is up. He says, right. I'm going to build my kingdom, but I'm getting ready to do it on the beams of a cross. Right. I, I'm going to suffer and be rejected, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. And that's how this kingdom is, is going to be established, and that's how the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that in our natural mindset thinking, which is what he rebukes with Peter, is you, you're not mindful of things of God. You're mindful of things that be of men. You're thinking from a worldly standpoint and viewpoint. And it just is amazing to me. The context of this, again, shows us that in denying ourselves, taking up our cross, in losing our life, we're going to find it, we're going to save it, and we're going to discover the greatest joy that there is in all the world is to love and serve Jesus. And yet it seems so radically paradoxical. Yeah. It's beautiful the way you said that. And I think too, it, there is, that is where the true lasting joy is found. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's without pain. I mean, the very nature of taking up a cross implies that there's sacrifice and pain in that journey um, and that it will be uncomfortable that being a Christ follower, being a disciple of Jesus is not, you know, a cakewalk, <laughs> that's right. um, it, 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 it will be hard. And yet that's where true life is found. That's right. You know, I'm, it also made me think of, you know, and again, that eternal perspective on all of this is what helps to this to begin to make some sense. I, I thought about that passage in Hebrews 
where it says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, mm. he endured the cross, despising the shame, mm. and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him, lest you become weary and faint in your own minds. And Jesus is getting ready to go and die. But you see, Jesus is not just focused on the, on the suffering and the death. He's got his eyes set on the joy that's on the other side that comes through his suffering and death. That's beautiful. Yes, a great reminder. Yeah, suffering and death is an end in itself. What beauty is there in that? But again, there's glory on the other side. There's joy on the other side. There's life eternal on the other side of that. And I think that eternal perspective is so important to this passage. Absolutely. Ah, yes, such a good reminder. Thank you for reminding us of that Hebrews passage. Any last thoughts on this passage? Well, I'm just going to, I can't get my mind off of it. Let me just tell you that I just keep thinking about it and I keep focusing on it. And I even did, I even did some journaling and wrote some things out as I was, as I was, you may just read a portion of my prayer that I wrote. I would love to hear your prayer. Okay. This is a portion of the prayer. So I wrote, Lord, please help me to have my eyes focused in one direction and upon one person you. Remind me that at the heart of discipleship is not a cause, but a Christ. Don't ever let me lose the all-compelling appeal of your presence that calls me into followership. Self-denial and taking up my cross are no eternal consequences unless I do it all for you. And for you alone. So let me follow you. Let me become the person whose one grand obsession in my heart and life is to follow Jesus Christ. And I, I'm gonna Amen. pray that prayer, Amen. Jody, mm-hmm. again and again, because I need that. Even a guy like me who spends so much of his time in ministry can so easily forget who I do this for, and what what is really at the core of it all. Well, none of us have arrived, and I appreciate your sharing that with us. And gosh, that is a beautiful prayer. Um, I am excited because I get to listen to it. Of course, people can back up and listen to it again. Um, But yes, thank you for sharing your heart with us. Well, Mark, um, I would love to talk a little bit about your passion for helping people find hope along their journeys. So tell us a little bit about that, your podcast journey. Sure. It started right near the close of all the the COVID stuff. And I began to realize, number one, that there there were a lot of people that were not going to be reached unless we found that, unless we all of us began to look at different ways to reach different audiences. I don't, I can't even tell you where it originated or who planted the seed in my mind, but something began to just really start moving in my heart to start a podcast. And, and so I went, I talked to a guy who, and I said, what do I need to do to start a podcast? I have no idea. He said, well, you need this, 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 this. So I, I coughed up about $500, bought some basic equipment 
And and then I I thought, well, you know, Lord, what do you want me to call this thing? I think it's got to have to have a title, you know. And so I had a couple different titles going, but this this one about hope just kept on coming back because it's very it's very dear to me personally. Mm. Because I had a period of time in my life many years ago where I felt like I lost my sense of hope mm. and struggled for about two years to find hope again. Uh, I, I said this, and I mean this, I do believe that hope is to the soul what oxygen is to the body. Mm. And mm. when you lose hope, your soul shrivels and it's, it's, it's suffocating. And I remember that, that horrible feeling for about two years. And, and now my life is filled again with hope again and hope mm-hmm. anew. And so I wanted to do something. And so hope along the journey. So, and I wanted to emphasize the fact that there's hope along the journey, not just hope at the end of the journey, right? but to find hope along the journey. So I sat down. I'll never forget. You might be able to identify as Jody. I sit down and I say, okay, here we go. First one. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really hardly know what I'm going to say. And I think this is the dumbest moment of my life. Grievance, <laughs> you have done a lot of silly things, but this has to be about the silliest. Here you sitting alone in your office and nobody is going to listen to what you have to say. Mm. <laughs> so. I recorded the first one. Uh, You got somebody to do my intro and outro for me and put it all together and package it up. And the rest is history. Then started Mm. the podcast. It eventually morphed into more of interviews. So I have a lot of people sharing their story on my podcast. But yeah, at the heart of it all, I just want to let people know Mm. that there is hope in Jesus Christ. That whatever your hurt, heartache, hang up, shame, guilt, loss, pain, whatever you've been through, that there is hope in Jesus Christ and you can find it along the journey. I love it. Well, that is a great word to end on. I will say, surely people have told you through your life that you have a radio voice, and so it seems very logical that you would do this. Uh, you know, people have told me that. Jeff. And I don't know if it, it I, I, you know, like everyone, when I hear my own voice, I hate it, you know. So. I know, I know. It is very difficult to hear your own voice. Well, Mark, it has been a delight to have you on the podcast. And I will post um, your podcast in the show notes as well as ways that people can find you. And here's a fun thing that's going to happen is we're going to stop recording this podcast. And then Mark and I are going to get on his podcast and talk about how scripture meditation can bring us hope along the journey. So you can listen to that as well. And friends, as always, I just want to thank you for joining me on so much more because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen.
Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.